Hi, welcome to another episode of A Matter of Principles, the podcast for Washington State Principles from AWSP. I'm David Morrill, the Communications Director here, and the conversation you're about to hear comes from a group of principles we call the MPLN, or our Mastering Principal Leadership Network. With a two-year grant from the Gates Foundation, we were able to bring together about 50 principles from all levels and all demographics across the state. We invited these principles from superintendent recommendations, OSPI data analytics, and also improvement trends from the Center for Educational Effectiveness. What we ended up with was an exceptional group of passionate, gap-closing leaders. We brought them together uh, through the Gates Grant for two years, uh, three times a year, two days at a time. The following conversation you're about to hear was recorded at our second-to-last meeting with them. The following conversation was recorded and moderated by Gary Kipp, who at the time of recording was still our executive director. So I hope you enjoy. I hope there's something that you can pick up and learn and put to use in our school. Uh, We'd love to hear feedback you have about what you'd like to hear on future episodes. But for the time being, enjoy the conversation. Hi, this is Gary Kipp, executive director of AWSP. I am excited to be here with some powerful principals from around our state. And we're going to be talking a little bit about Social emotional learning, uh, how to support the whole child in from eight o'clock until three o'clock. We know that that expands beyond the school day for sure. But what can we do? What can leaders do during the day to support the whole child and influence their support throughout the day? So before we get into the conversation, let's go around the table and introduce ourselves. Uh, my name is Talia Bell Davis, and I'm a new assistant principal of. At Tacoma Public Schools, I work at Sheridan Elementary. It's a large elementary school with over 500 students on the east side of Tacoma. I consider us to be a diverse school with high needs and high poverty. My name is Carla Hudson. I'm at Betts Elementary School in the Cheney School District. A student population, about 433 students. It is a medium poverty school, about uh, close to 50% free and reduced lunch. And a lot of uh, social-emotional needs within the school. Hi, I'm Valoretta Gawne, principal of Marie Curie STEM Elementary School in Pasco. Um, we are a very large elementary school, about 840 students as of this month, um, 96% Hispanic and about 94% frame-reduced. Social-emotional learning is a consistent issue we deal with and strive to address in our building. Hi, I'm Lisa Phelan. I'm the principal at Freeman Elementary, Freeman School District, just south of Spokane. Um, my building, we have 370 students and then another 25 inclusion preschoolers that are also part of our student population. And with the inclusion preschool and the high needs, we are continuously working on the efforts of social-emotional learning. Fantastic. I like the notion that we're going to restrict our discussions to the elementary level, and that's going to help principals out there understand the scope of our discussion. So you've done a lot of things to help support kids. So let's first of all talk about some of the things that you've implemented that you feel good about, that you think seem to be working. Who would like to start? So at Freeman Elementary, we implemented PBIS, so Positive Behavior Support System for all students and all staff. We felt it was important because we needed something in place to help look at the positive behavior and reduce the whole referrals and the behavior and to help give teachers tools um, to work with students. And so we felt it was important to not only work with the teachers, but the support staffs. So the bus drivers, um, nutrition specialists in the lunchroom, the paraeducators, and 
librarians, just anybody that came into the building knew that we have Mm -hmm. a system in place that was Mm going to be sustainable. And we've implemented that um, preschool through 12 now with Mm -hmm. the common expectations. Mm -hmm. So that's helped at Freeman. Mm -hmm. Common language. Common language. Yep. Mm -hmm. I think one of the things that you said earlier when we were talking about your PBIS program that I was impressed with is the color coding of the tickets. A lot of us have the PBIS tickets, but can you talk a little bit about that? Because I think that was really good. Sure. So when we attended the PBIS training with um, Flint Simonson, he's well known in the Spokane area for all of his um, PBIS work. Our team sat down and and just discussed how important it was to um, see where the students were being recognized for positive behavior. So an idea that we had was to color code our Scotty dollars, our Scotty bucks, our outstanding news. So the color code looks like blue for um, teachers, classroom. We have yellow for bus drivers, green for the playground, supervisors, orange for the nutrition and lunchroom. And then we have red tickets for guest teachers that they hand out. And they're worth double gifts or toys or whatever the students choose at the outstanding news store. And then we also implemented a purple one because the students said, Mrs. Phelan, what color is yours? What color is yours? So now we also have a purple outstanding you or Scotty Buck. And so um, we did that so we can monitor where the students were being recognized. Mm -hmm. And it's amazing to see when your bus citations go up, I can just look in the bucket or the bag and say, well, you know what? There's not a whole lot of yellows today. So or this week or this month. And I could go up and share with the bus drivers. And just say, oh, you must be out. Let me bring you some more yellow outstanding news to hand out. And just a reminder to catch kids being good. And they really like that system. So it's been good to see. Mm-hmm. Good way to monitor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We monitor our PBIS implementation. We decided to use Class Dojo, which I think was a, a big risk mentioning my demographics, right? Uh, there was some pushback thinking, you know, are parents going to engage in the technology? And they did. We had 96% of our parents sign up the first year. But where we had to come in and provide some staff development was after developing consistent matrix of expected behavior, we didn't see a huge increase or a use of the positive reinforcement, right? The whole premise of, of PBIS. And so we did some work with ACES training the first year, trying to understand the adverse childhood experiences. And then I've been intentional with providing some PD on social emotional learning to understand five to seven positive reinforcements necessary to make a change in student behavior. And so Class Dojo, we have Curie Cash, but we cash out every other week um, based on Dojo points. And so every teacher has set up a system in their classroom, could be tied to group points or individual points into around a Curie 3, being respectful, okay, being responsible and being safe. And so I just met with my assistant principal last week because we haven't looked at that data. Um, because that's another conversation. Sometimes we have to really provide support because teachers are like, why am I having to do this? Right? They should just behave. They should just know. Well, when we're dealing with children of poverty, um, research shows, and that's where as a principal we have to continue to provide that PD. And so we are able to celebrate and have developed more consistent procedures in our, in our building. But still, like I said, our playground behavior has increased, and like we're, I don't see our playground duties providing that positive reinforcement. And so I had mentioned before is we bought little tablets because it's a nightmare, you know, 800 mm-hmm. kids and the curie cash <laughs> and coins and kids were keeping their coins. And so that's where we do an electronic 
point system mm-hmm. um, as well. So that's just, again, always trying to remind and reinforce what our school-wide expectations are around recognizing positive student behavior. So for me, being a new assistant principal to the area, my background is with high school and middle school students. So for me coming in, I needed a system in place. I needed an opportunity to have those social and emotional conversations with the students because they're acting out for many different reasons. And if you don't have the platform to have a conversation with them so they can manage themselves and self-regulate their own emotions, you're kind of defeating the purpose. Like I get to sit down and talk to them about, well, why? And what happened and what was going on around that and and how did you feel? And without this social emotional learning in place, that wouldn't be possible. Mm -hmm. So for me, it makes my job a lot easier when it comes to connecting with the students. So we have our self-manager program and the students earn their badge so that they can move freely in the hallways and help out teachers and just be more responsible to their school day. So the goal is for them to earn that so they can move throughout the school successfully. But then I do have some students that need more handholding and more support when it comes to making the right decisions. And I felt like they were being left out. So mm-hmm. then I said, maybe we can come up with a self-manager folder so we can put activities on the inside that can support the class time they're missing out on when they are sent to the office or when they mm-hmm. do go to a buddy room or they do need a reset opportunity in their classroom. They have a folder with activities inside it. So whatever adult interacts with them can jot little notes about what they did or what they accomplished. And then the child can walk away feeling more empowered and more in control of their time. But then I feel like I'm a partner in their growth. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? That helps me because I spend more than half of my day with discipline issues that I would like to change into the word behaviors. Like, let's work on behaviors of kids and not even call it discipline. Let's empower them and teach them to manage themselves. Did you guys create a major minor Yes, that's there. I'm working on that. I have my own feelings about like how that goes. Mm -hmm. I feel like when we we have our behavior reports, but the way it's designed, the teacher fills it out. So the adult is referring the student. They struggle between what they consider a minor and a major. And I don't want them to spend time doing that. So we're going to combine those things and put them in like a hierarchical order of things that happen more often than not. And then on the opposite side of the form, we'll talk about maybe this child could see the counselor. Maybe this child needs to see the principal. Maybe this child needs to go to a buddy room. Maybe we need to call home. Just giving the teacher more options, Mm -hmm. but then giving all of us more accountability as to how we handle those things. Because I was getting reports with no action taken Mm -hmm. because it was too confusing on, should I just send the kid to the principal or is this something that I can handle on the spot? Right. And I think as a new admin, this conversation can be powerful because we've had to come back to talk about what is a minor, what's a major as well, and then provide some strategies to deal with that classroom mm-hmm. disruption. Because even now, we most of our discipline comes from three classrooms, yes. and it's tied to that classroom management right. piece. Mm-hmm. And so that's where, as a system, though, we're trying to be very, very intentional. Mm-hmm. What strategies are we all utilizing yes. right, to de-escalate, right, to re-engage students? Because the message is once you send that student out, What's happened to that relationship? It's broken. And so for the most part, I'd say 90% of our staff is following those, those strategies, falling back on good teaching, right? It's just a couple of classrooms that struggle with so the we, relationship uh, piece. How do we with support them. teachers? How do we support teachers when it comes to their social emotional mm-hmm. How do we do that? That's what, I want well, to see I that happen. I think exactly what you said. The best discipline is a good curriculum. Keeping okay. the kids engaged in the class really keeps them 
the discipline at a minimum. Mm -hmm. And so when you do see repeated behaviors from the same classroom, and I think we could probably all say that exactly, we know where the bulk of the behaviors are going to come from, which really then tells us there's something else going on in there and what can we do to make that classroom more engaging so that the kids, we're meeting the kids where they are. In our school, we do have the PBIS system going. But another thing that was put into place before I got there, so I'm in my first year in this uh, particular Mm -hmm. school, but the principal before me established what they call the green zone. And the Mm -hmm. green zone really is, and it's a whole designated classroom, such a luxury, Mm -hmm. um, with two behavior specialists full-time in it. So when a kid is popping another classroom, it's not me that's called, it's the green zone that's called. Mm -hmm. And they go, and I'll hear it on the radio, but I don't have to do it. And they go and and get that kid from the classroom, or if they, sometimes they will just sit there and meet with the child right there, or sometimes they will go and say, let's get to the green zone. Mm -hmm. And they use the acronym HALT, H-A-L-T, to try to determine where Mm -hmm. the kids are. Are they hungry? Mm-hmm. If so, let's give them a snack. Mm-hmm. Are they angry? Okay, what can I do to do that? Are, is there learning compromised? What's happening? How can I help you with your learning? Or do you just need time? Do you just right. need a moment? Mm-hmm. And then go and sit in the comfy chair over there in the corner or you know how they are. They love to go under a table or something like that and just get out of my space for a bit. And they get reset in there. If it becomes a discipline problem beyond that, then they bring them down to me. But if it's just one of those things, they can meet the need. Uh, get them reset. And so often I don't even know what's going on in there. I get reports because, mm-hmm. um, of what's going on in there every week, but they handle those students. And that has been a wonderful gift um, mm. for our behavior management. Yeah. Mm. So each one of these strategies that you're talking about certainly involves teachers mm-hmm. in a significant way. Talk a little bit about communicating with teachers about this? How do you get them on board? Is it a struggle? Is it easy? Um, What strategies have you used to help them to buy into the kinds of things that you're trying to do? What's worked there? What's worked at Freeman is we developed a PBIS team that went to the training, and it was a two-year commitment to attend the trainings. And that team went to each training together I was really kind of a non-negotiable. If you're going to be part of the team, you have to attend the training. How did you pick the people to be on the team? Um, I asked for volunteers. Okay. And we shared, Okay. you know, who it was important to send a primary or a couple primary, a PE teacher, the counselor, school principal, of course, upper elementary as well. And then the team brought it back. And as a staff, we developed our matrix. Mm-hmm. As a staff, we developed the minor major mm-hmm sheet to refer to. That is also put on the back of a clipboard. So they always have that. Mm -hmm. And then um, the team also decided, well, how are we going to involve parents with this process? And so we developed a minor infraction slip. It's a carbon copy slip Mm -hmm. that goes home with the student, just says that communication, hey, can you please talk to your student about this behavior, this is where it happened at. Mm-hmm. And it's not a great office referral. It's mm-hmm. just that communication to parents. Mm-hmm. And we tell them, you know, our expectations that the staff developed is to be respectful, be responsible, be ready to learn, be safe. They see it around the school. They hear everybody saying it. The bus drivers say it. They see it at the high school. If they go up there for an assembly, they see it on the bus. I made bus um, posters for them. We just wanted to make sure everybody's using the same language mm-hmm. and being consistent in the classroom. So they each have a poster in their classroom and really picking the expectations that are really an umbrella. So be respectful. 
almost every behavior can fall under that. Mm -hmm. So we can always ask them. And then reminding, you know, then we train the students. So September, we take a week and where they rotate and we show them what the behaviors to look like. Yes. And then we do it again in January after Christmas break because we assume they lost their minds over Christmas break. (laughs) And we have to retrain not only the students, but the staff to remember because you don't want your office referrals to go up in May because everybody's tired. Mm -hmm. And then it really is an adult issue. It's not a kid issue. It was the adult not being consistent with our expectations. Mm -hmm. So it's really important to involve your entire staff. And then to let parents know it's in our handbook, it's on our website, so they can also use those same expectations at home. Yeah. Great. Others? Very similar as well for school. And it's been three years that we developed our matrix. Uh, We had to reevaluate it. It was very, very dense. So we simplified it even more this year and talked about some issues that we felt like we weren't being consistent as a staff as well. And then like, and then we, our PD just two months ago was again, because you start to hear that grumbling. They're not doing anything with the kid, the discipline, right? Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. right. I just, How so <laughs> well, let's talk about it. Well, so we had to talk about it a little bit and PBS team as well. I do think in retrospect, we want, I'd like to see more teacher leadership because it's still pretty heavy admin between myself mm-hmm. and my assistant principal. And I think a good PBS team should be led by more of our staff. So that's a goal for next year is to have it be more teacher-led. Even our assemblies, we have monthly assemblies to recognize our Curie 3 students. We invite our parents. Tons of parents consistently come um, to see their kids being recognized. So it's, it's been really positive. Good. So uh, us with our staff. Um, we've done a lot, and once again, this is my predecessor, and then continuing it with the ACE training. We have a lot of childhood trauma, mm-hmm. and it's something that it's new language. I think probably most of us just within the past couple of years that we have really started focusing on the childhood trauma that these children come to our school with. And I think by helping our staff to understand a lot of the reactions that we're getting are not necessarily coming out of just being naughty, like mm-hmm. I think the old school thinking used to be. Mm-hmm. Um, did dad come home drunk last night and beat mom? Mm-hmm. Uh, and now I want you to learn. Was I left alone all night last night? We have little ones left alone all night and they're waking up in the middle of the night and there's nobody yeah. there. But go ahead and learn. Mm-hmm. And a lot that they're having to come to deal with before they even walk in our door and it can't be treated just as a naughty kid punishment and helping. And I, we're not there and I, I'm thinking staff wise and all of us, I think it's a journey because when a child is being rude and insubordinate and mouthing off, it's hard to not just react and see it more in a punishment line rather than in a, a discipline line. And I really like that idea of discipline. Root word of discipline is disciple. Disciple meaning to teach. Punishment is more pain. What can I do to kind of hurt you and make you realize you shouldn't be doing that? But how can I disciple you from this behavior? Because I, I see that you're hurting, and how can I help you? Mm-hmm. What in the world was I going to say? I'm what sure about parents? How do parents know what's going on, how you're yeah. approaching this in a way that may be unfamiliar to them? I want to add a little bit to what Carla was saying to answer your question, because I don't think I'm there either. But through the ACES training, you know, we went into it saying this was just great training. What came through that was how many staff members themselves are struggling Correct. with some their of own. their own issues. Sure. And yes. so Very good. I just vividly remember a couple of years ago, I 
staff in tears, mm-hmm. you know, and so yeah, that gave me good. some information then too that we need to continue to support our staff and find ways, whether it's through counseling or when there's issues with some tragedy, knowing that they need some more support. And so that was, again, an eye-opening experience for me that I didn't plan for it to happen as well. And I think we are privy to sometimes personal information then too, and, and it's just a lot on our plate, but knowing that we have to be mindful when there is tragedy that's, that takes place, that we do take care of our staff. And those things I think we do have in place then too. So, yeah. I got it. I think um, it's about building relationships. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So as a school leader, if I'm very intent on building strong, authentic relationships with the staff, I'm modeling for them how to do that with their students. And I'm expecting them to do that with their students. But I also don't want them to avoid or leave behind the necessary relationship with the parents. You have to reach out to the people that you're serving and you need to meet them where they're at. And I can show you by meeting you where you're at. If there's a death in your family or you have a long-term illness going on or maybe you're new to the school and you don't really know the community, it's my job to give you that empowered feeling and acclimate you to the new community that you're serving. So if I can model that, I can help others kind of guide through that too. And I think um, I'd like to see more training in the area of actually building relationships with people that you assume you don't have anything in common with. But if you just had a conversation, dug a little deeper, got a little open yourself, you know, a little bit vulnerable. I mean, you have to be a little vulnerable to build a a strong relationship. I think it could happen because I really truly believe that parents and teachers have many, many core values that are the same, but they don't know it because they don't communicate. And I don't mean a newsletter home. I don't mean an email on what the next lesson is that you're going to do. But I mean, calling the parent to say, hey, it's your kid's birthday today. Should we do anything special? Mm -hmm. Or I know that you're going to go on an extended vacation to visit grandma in another country. Can I send some work? You know, I mean, what is so hard about that? And what do we need to do to support teachers to do that time-wise or, you know, idea-wise? Not just our day-to-day things, but those little special little tidbits that you kind of give to build those relationships. I'd like to see more of that. Tying it back to class dojo, like I said, it was a big, we thought we were, it was a big ask for my staff and my parents, but we planned to have parent nights and invited any parent that was having difficulty downloading the app mm. on their phone. And so we did that intentionally for the first year, right? Conferences, we had a dojo station, gave out a little video how to try to follow some steps. And I think my staff was pretty surprised about how many parents came in and asked for help, right? The Android app was different than the iPhone app. And so we said, oh my gosh, this is difficult, right? So we try to get ahead of that a little bit. And I think that allowed for that success because we really try to reach out to our our community. Just recently this year, I've had a lot of cyberbullying that we didn't have Mm. in the previous two years with Snapchat. And by December, I've had enough of it. And so working with my counselor and our ATP, um, we decided how... um, to sponsor a tech night for our parents. And I had mentioned earlier, gym was completely full. I'm thinking it was with Sark. Our local agency came in and we got presenters and there was a bilingual presenter and parents were so appreciative. In the evening, it was just fantastic. And the level of questions that they had, and again, not directly related maybe with my our elementary age kids, but middle school and high school, mm-hmm. because this is an issue that That's will continue to follow them. And if they don't understand, and they asked some really good legal questions that we, that I didn't, again, anticipate, mm-hmm. right? And so it was, again, good for my staff to see, man, they came, right? Mm-hmm. When we listen to what uh, the needs are, if we involve them, mm-hmm. right? If we're having an issue, it shouldn't just be our issue. We've got to involve our, our parents to help solve the issues. Right? Really good ideas. 
Anything else to add in terms of parent communication? I think you've hit the nail on the head in terms of it's a matter of building relationships and out of those relationships, um, we find that we're working in the same direction for the same cause, and that is to help their kid do better and be successful. I want to piggyback on something Carlos said, and I think it's it's more than just a a school issue. I think it's a systems issue, and we're fortunate. It's our second year, year and a half, we've had a community and schools person. It's been a grant that's provided a full-time person to help connect and provide services to families that are in a really dire situation. And I think I wish we'd had that years ago because it's a lot of when there's homelessness and abuse and neglect, that's something that weighs heavily on a principal's shoulder. So it's nice to have someone that's in my office that I can say, she's going to help you. right? And then this year also, we've been able to have a half-time mental health therapist Again, through some intentional work our district is trying to do to meet the needs of the whole child. And it's provided a, just a tremendous support and access for our kids. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. Well, I want to thank all of you for taking time out of your day. Thank you for being part of MPLN and contributing to everyone else's growth and doing this podcast to help others who are outside MPLN. Get some ideas um, from your stories as to the things that they can do to help support the whole child at the elementary level. It's been fantastic, and I appreciate your time. Thank you. Thank you you so much. Thanks for listening to A Matter of Principles. Remember, you can subscribe to our podcast in iTunes. You can find it in the Google Play Store, or you can always listen on our website. We'd love to hear feedback from what you'd like to hear and the guests you'd like to have us have on in future episodes. You can always send that feedback to me at david at awsp.org or just shoot anybody here an email. Uh, find us on social media. We're on Twitter, awsp underscore principles, or find us on Facebook. Thanks again for listening. Take care. The podcast you just listened to was paid for by Federal Title II Part A grant funds from OSPI, the Office of Superintendent of Public Instruction, and the U.S. Department of Education. If you'd like to reuse the podcast in any way, it is Creative Commons License CCBY Attribution 2.0. Thanks to OSPI and the Department of Education for supporting our work and supporting principals across the state.